Welcome to a brand new episode of Second Chance Cinema. This is episode 17 in our second season. Fair warning, there is cursing, and we will spoil this movie's ending. But we also promote the movie, as is our goal with them all. Enjoy the show. I'm not ready for marriage, and, and I love you, but I don't love you like that. So I, I really think we should see other people. What do you think? What's the part about seeing other people? Yeah, I think you're right. Yes, I'm sure. My great-grandmother said that I should wait for a sign. And remember that necklace that he got me for Christmas? Well, it broke. Listen, I gotta pee. I'll tell you everything when I get home, all right? Lainey, I haven't stopped since Nogales, okay? I gotta go. Bye. Excuse me. I was here. Huh. I think I would have noticed that. No, you see, I was on the phone and the line moved, but I couldn't move with it because the court wouldn't stretch that far. You see, I'd like to believe you, but your nose is actually growing. Come on, I, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> you realize that I could die for this. I'd be really fast. I live with five brothers, three cousins, and only one bathroom. Believe me, I can be faster than anybody in the world. Really? A gold medalist? This I have to see. Thank you. Oye, mi no porque tengas tetas me das primero. Oye, pelado, ¿cómo te atreves a decir una cosa así en frente de nuestro sacerdote, baboso? You know, I was just about to say that. I just told him to stop being a pig in front of our new priest. That's Father Alex to you. I'm Isabel. We have seen a ragtag group of oil drillers turn into legitimate astronauts in the span of about a week and save the world from a meteor using nuclear weapons. We have seen Jeff Goldblum single-handedly thwart an alien attack using nothing more than a Mac PowerBook. And we have seen Tyrese and Ludacris fly a 1980 Pontiac Fiero into space and knock a satellite out of orbit. But none of these instances are more unbelievable than Matthew Perry hooking up with Salma Hayek. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Second Chance Cinema. I am one of your hosts, MC, joined as always uh, with my co-host, Spro. Spro, how are you? I'm good. Is the So I'm assuming that was Fast and the Furious 9 that they're like in space. Is that the one that's out now? Because yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Yes. Um, uh, I haven't seen it either, but I've seen. So listeners, my phone fell in a puddle. It's been it, waterproof is a lie. First of all, it's been gone for about four days. But before that happened, I, I read the spoilers basically of Fast and Furious 9. And I want to just read one of the spoilers to you from Wikipedia in the plot summary. It's not a spoiler anymore. Everybody knows. And if you didn't know before, I just told you. But the actual description of the plot point to which I'm referring reads. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Ludacris's character is named Tej. Tyrese's character is Roman. This is an actual sentence from the plot summary of Fast and Furious 9 on Wikipedia. Actual sentence. Using the rocket car, Tej and Roman enter orbit and destroy the satellite, stopping the upload. <laughs> 
and then blah 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 more 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 the last sentence tej and roman reach the international space station and are safely returned to earth (laughs) (laughs) so if you think of the list of movie plots that i described and then added on the movie that we're about to talk about you realize how absolutely befuddling it was for me to see matthew perry and selma hayek hook up that said we are joined by a very, very special guest, a friend of the show, a friend of us, Rudy. Rudy, how are you? I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing great. You took the words right out of my mouth upon, this is one of my favorite movies and possibly one of my favorite rom-coms, but upon re-watching it now, like immediately, that's the first thing I registered. I was like, there's no way this doofus would land Selma Hayek. So you're on to something. I have to be honest, like, and I mentioned this to Spro as we were talking before. Before coming on, I have a lot of questions about this movie, not the least of which is like, who thought what producer, director, studio head, whatever was like, you know, who would have great chemistry? Selma Hayek and Matthew Perry. Like, like, I don't I don't want to hate on Matthew Perry because I don't I have not followed his career since. I mean, I didn't watch Friends, so I can't really say Friends, but since the Ron Clark story or whatever that movie was where he was like Dangerous Minds, but it was a made-for-TV movie. But like, I mean, he's not a leading man. Heartthrob type, right? Am I the only one who thinks this or am I wrong? I feel like I feel like we're bashing the movie. Is this the first Second Chance Cinema where we're... No, 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 no. I, because there was plenty that I plenty that I enjoyed about the movie, for sure. But I, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that like Matthew Perry is... I did not believe him as like like smarmy New York ladies man. Like in the trailer, it's like he was really good at being single. It's like, was he? Was he really? Were there was he were there were women fawning over nightclub <laughs> builder Matthew Perry in this movie universe? I mean, care to comment, anyone? In 1997, for some reason, you didn't. It didn't. It wasn't anything that I questioned. And I was like, oh, okay. But <laughs> looking back, you're like, yeah, absolutely. This is um an average dad bod New Yorker landing l- literally one of the most gorgeous women walking the face of the earth. And and, and it yeah, it stands out now. <laughs> I mean, that's not really just... her character. Her character is uh, a woman who lives with like 20 family members in Mexico. <laughs> she doesn't live with 20 family members. She has 20 family members. That They she's all live in the same house. No, they don't. <laughs> Did they you didn't? Where was school? her house? You never <laughs> saw her house. Because she said, I have a roommate, Lainey. And then she moved in with Matthew Perry. <laughs> they all have a roommate, Lainey. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean she they was all living like, at home, bro? What do you mean they all like like women in general? They, uh, that's the, that's why they don't take you to their house because they have a roommate that's home. They're living at home. They're living at home with mom and dad and Chewy. It's okay. Are we? Are there? I, th- I feel like we're going to get to some real deep issues on this episode. Yeah, I, I, I think you're 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 dipping your toe into some water just because she has a large family that she doesn't live with them. Houses in this movie is another thing that I I have many questions about. But but before we get into it, let's let's go ahead and let's observe tradition. Um, oh, one of the shit. Rudy, it's always the oh shit. Like you're no, like you've never no. done this before. I swear to God, I'm, are you eating? Oh, I was. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I completely forgot about this disturb your dinner? <laughs> okay, you know what? I, I got an appetite here, but... Are you eating a grazed papaya hot dog? I was so excited that I did... Ah, I, oh, shit. All right, let's just do this. So one of the traditions, or actually the only tradition on this show, is the Wheel of Poetry. And what the Wheel of Poetry does is it... Um, allows us to express ourselves in ways beyond simple discussion. On the Wheel of Poetry are five different types of verse and or prose. Those include haiku, ABAB poem, limerick, toast slash roast, and song parody. And the way this works is we spin the wheel, and at random, whatever comes up, we are obligated to then compose in tribute to the movie. And we will do so within the time frame of the movie trailer. So Spro is going to spin the wheel, whatever it lands on, us three, including Rudy, will have to compose while the trailer plays for you to listen to. Are we all agreed on these terms? Yeah. I will say I am editing the beach episode now, and you pointed out acrostic might be a good style of poetry to add. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what that is. Informal, I like informally I said that, or because uh, I was like, I was gonna do the one where you just do the first letter of everything and you're like acrostic, and I was like, I don't know if that's what I'm talking about, but Oh, that one and then i idea. failed so all right go. well maybe you know what maybe we can add acrostic for the next one next the next yeah, episode please, or possibly yeah. the next season yeah next but for right season. now we're gonna spin and it's gonna be those five only and rudy's gonna have to do one of them so spro whenever you're ready <clears throat> Rudy, how much have you had to drink? Um, not enough. Yeah, you're going to need it. We landed on song parody. Ah, uh, sh- oh, okay. Didn't you have that the last time? I did. I did. What was your That's episode dr- the last time? Uh, the Little Giants, and I did uh, Here Comes the Hot Stepper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, I remember that. That was like, that feels like it was like a year ago. So you're, you're fine. You've, you've recharged. You're good. Oh, yeah, sure. So song parody. So please listen to the trailer and enjoy the trailer for Fool's Rush In starring Matthew Perry, Selma Hayek, and I think that's it, right? Matthew Perry's dad. Matthew <laughs> yeah, Perry's that, dad. That's it. That makes sense. That checks out. And <laughs> and we're going to write some poetry. Alex! Alex Whitman. Okay, Jeff, it's a long story. Was good at being single. I'm looking for Alex. He just ducked out. And his life was right on track. You are taking over in Vegas. No, 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 no. Everything that's famous about Las Vegas is about leaving it. That movie, the song, even the mob left Las Vegas. It's a long way from Manhattan to Las Vegas. Hot, 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 hot. But Alex was beginning to think <laughs> it was worth the trip. I'm Isabel. I never did anything like that before. Going home with someone I don't know. It was just one of those spontaneous things. So, uh, how you been? Pregnant. Really? We were only together one night. Isabel, what can I do? Hey, Alex, there's a woman on line one. She says she's your wife. You're married? The one with the body? nightmare begins so your your father is is he a big man or who is this mama papa this is alex whitman i welcome you in my home and this is how you repay me stealing my only daughter in-laws no alex this is chewy chewy hi luke skywalker how are you He's getting a little more than he bargained for. I can't believe this is the same house. Jeez. Alex. 
Snakes is alone with your brothers? And a lot more snakes than he imagined. Lucy, you got some explaining, you. I better light another candle. I'm telling you, everything's gonna be okay. Columbia Pictures presents. Surprise! I'm dead. I got it, huh? A story about the sparks that fly. Now that is what I call a housekeeper. When two worlds collide. In case you haven't noticed, the white people are melting out here. And two people come together. Isabel Fuentes, I am in love with you. Matthew Perry. You are everything I never knew I always wanted. Salma Hayek. I think this is so romantic. You do? Absolutely. Fools rush in. My first song was Havana. And I was like, Las Vegas, una na. <laughs> Got a woman pregnant in Las Vegas, una na. I think That's that sounds amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, then I had nowhere to go with it. <laughs> The white people are melting. <laughs> I, got, I thought of you, bro, the second I heard that. <laughs> I can't. All right. Are we ready? Yeah. Let's go. Okay. So so two things about that trailer. Props to the UB40 um, mm-hmm. cover. That was brilliant. Yeah. And also, I can't believe that this is one of those times where you have to frame of reference it because this was out in what, 1997? Yep. I can't believe the, uh, the white people are melting line made it in the trailer, but... In 1997, I can absolutely believe that. And that's probably got a lot of people to go see the movie because that was a really out there, like kind of hysterical line. Rudy's There's a thoughts? lot. Of, there are a lot of lines like that. Like for me, like a lot of these lines still hold up. Like it was still I laughed out loud. I was and one of them was <laughs> we'll get into it later. But the white people are melting. Got me. Whatever the mother is, the baby is. And just what is the matter with Presbyterian? Presbyterian is not a religion. I beg your pardon? Thomas, Thomas, whatever. This country was founded by people who were escaping religious persecution. The Whitmans were one of them. Sir, when the West was stolen from Mexico, the Fuentes family made a vow that even though they took our land, they never take our culture. Culture? You call this culture? Guacamole in a ghetto blaster in the middle of a desert? Yeah. Now you're offending yeah. Amalia's guacamole? Yeah. What's wrong with Amalia's guacamole? In case you haven't noticed, the white people are melting out here. But like the other line in the trailer, this is Chewy. Oh, what does he say? Where's Han Solo and Luke Skywalker? Like that's Matthew Perry. That's not yeah. the guy who's going to bed Salma Hayek in Las Vegas or whatever. <laughs> That's classic, like that's the Matthew Perry I think of. Oh, hey, witty quip and blah, blah, and uh, 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 sarcasm. All right, song parodies. You guys want to get this over with or what? Yeah. All right, who wants to go first? Wasn't the guest goes last. Oh, thank God. All right, who wants to go first? How's yours? How are you feeling about yours? Uh, I feel okay. I, uh, You know what? I'll go first. It's on three pages. <laughs> so you're going to hear me flipping. So in the movie... 
Matthew Perry's character, his job, and we'll get into this for sure, is designing and building nightclubs, which, <laughs> like, how is that even a job? Like, I, I mean, I have to keep reminding myself this is 1997. This is, this is the same year, I believe, A Night at the Roxbury came out. And that's that's what I kept thinking of the whole time, was like, this asshole builds nightclubs. Like, I cannot think of a less noble profession than being the guy who builds nightclubs. <laughs> like, and I maybe that was just me. Like, I don't know. I When I was young and I had a fake ID and all that, I went to nightclubs, got kicked out of nightclubs, all that stuff. But looking back, like, maybe that's just a very of the times job like maybe in 1997 that was the job that everyone wanted like oh man i wish i could be the guy in the movie who builds nightclubs <laughs> i can't even say that with laughing so anyway so i did my song parody of in the club <laughs> so here we go all right you can find him building clubs nyc career driven she's an artsy free spirit opposites that's a given it was too soon but you bet they got hitched she made him sit and talk while she took a giant shit his job designing clubs is that really even the thing don't four walls just pop up around people who still say bling <laughs> that's all i got that's as far as i got that was brilliant uh yeah i'll work on the ep extended version and i'll get that out on vinyl later this year bro you're up all right so fools rush in i should go with a fast song so i don't feel like i have to sing it friends fans say they love fools rush in and I can't help enjoying the shit when it's on <laughs> and funny when Just good enough to get Selma's oven with fun. Man, <laughs> oh my god, that was so good. They can't see this, but I'm standing. That was amazing. Like that was that was wow. Like you you should go to the shelter and 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 um you should you should challenge Papa Doc for the title. I, think. Oh, I thought you meant homeless shelter. <laughs> no 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 no. The, they would like you too maybe, but. I was All like, right, Rudy, free stew. Rudy, uh, you're up. All right, so <laughs> I really tried to stay in like 1997 on this one. So my song parody is, uh, it's not long, but once I found something that worked, I got in and got out. Boom. So All right. my song parody is uh, Hypnotize, Biggie Smalls. So here goes, Selma, 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 can't you see? Why did you hook up with Matthew Perry? And I still love your Latin ways. Channel knocked you up, but that's okay. That was brilliant. That was the winner. That was great. Easily Good the job. winner. Thanks. Nice job. So let's talk about this movie. Rudy, you say this is one of your favorite movies of all time. And certainly in your favorite rom-coms. Yeah. Just tell us tell us a little bit why. Broadly, because in 1997, any young man or old man for that matter that loved action movies was familiar with Selma Hayek because of Desperado and From Dust Till Dawn. So naturally, 
I wanted to see Salma Hayek. And I was like, and I I didn't watch Friends like that. I mean, I'd seen a couple episodes, but I didn't stay with it. And I was like, oh, this could be funny. It was like, honestly, one of the first like movie dates I ever went on was to see this movie. And it had everything I needed in, in a rom-com. It, it had Salma Hayek and it, it was funny. It has a lot of one-liners in it and jokes that I still quote today. So, I mean, I'll, I'll gladly get into those as we go on. Why don't you get into one right now? I'd be interested. At the end where she's in labor and she talks about the pain, the pain, but she's saying it in Spanish and the guy goes, what did she say? And he goes, she said she loves me, can't live without me. Move you over to the main building over there. She's not going anywhere. These contractions are right on top of each other. You hear that? This is about the contractions are right on top of each other. I'm not deaf. I'm in labor. Oh my God. We're having a baby. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. They always say that. Oh, you can do this. You're the bravest person I've ever known. What'd she say? She said she loves me. Can't live without me. I say that all the time. Like when, when my wife goes, I forgot what I was going to say. And I was like, oh, no, that you love me. You can't live without me. So it's very quotable. And obviously we'll get into more when Matthew Perry's parents show up. So basic premise, guy meets girl, guy gets girl pregnant, guy and girl wed hastily, complications ensue. They split up, guy finds girl, they live happily ever after. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, in a nutshell. Yeah, so, it's very formulaic. The addition of the pregnancy, I did not know that was a part of it. And that was kind of a, I suppose, a, a twist on sort of like the missed connections and the, you know, the other devices that sort of power rom-coms. Because that was a twist, like I said, that I didn't quite see coming and I didn't know was coming because I'd never seen the movie before. But that, like to me, that made things really heavy, really quick. But I think the, well, you wouldn't call it a courtship because they had already sort of courted but like the transition from them being a one night stand essentially to being a married couple like that wasn't as abrupt or predictable as I thought it would be I suppose okay and, and it's interesting that they, they throw that in there right because there's parts of this movie that are very formulaic but like they also they knew what they were doing like whoever directed this film I think it was like Andy Tennant like he knew what he was doing can I just talk about Selma Hayek's first scene the first time you see Selma Hayek what is she doing she's going to take a piss right no she's floating oh. in a river on an inner tube oh right right right, right. you're right up shirt but like they were like we have this amazing woman this 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 gorgeous woman we need to like set the stakes really high so they set the stakes super high right off the bat they're like we've got Selma Hayek bam there she is so I mean they knew what they were doing yeah and they even painted her like because she stole it was like an inner tube that she stole from like some local kids or something and (laughs) they painted it where like the the kids were smitten with her right (laughs) the one kid was like oh he's got a crush on you and he was like oh shut up and it was like she was this she was like Belle from Beauty and the Beast. She was like this, but without like everyone thinking she was crazy, but she was like the central like mythical figure of this village or of this town. You're right. <laughs> Showing her on an inner tube, like floating down a river and and just like being kissed by the light and all that kind of stuff. Like that was a great way to that was a great way to build up her equity very early in the movie. Right. So so let's just jump into Matthew Perry's job. Oh, God. Uh, 
so I want to know what you guys thought of that, because maybe there's a very good chance I was the only one not offended, but I was the only one perplexed <laughs> by like, like this guy is the shit because of this job. And this this like the reason this guy is the shit is because he designs nightclubs. I could not wrap my head around that. It didn't really take that he was like the shit, though. Like, I felt like he was in second place to whoever was taking over. Well, but but he was in he was in the the shit industry. Like like that was like, you know, the the um, I can't think of another movie to compare it to. Actually, I can. What Women Want, Mel Gibson, where he's like the creative director of the advertising agency or um, nothing to lose again, where he's the creative director of the advertising agency. <laughs> like I refuse to believe because I've known plenty of creative directors at plenty of advertising agents. I refuse to believe that anyone who designs nightclub is exists in the way Matthew Perry was portrayed in this movie. <laughs> my, my fifth note <laughs> that I wrote down was, is Matthew Perry an architect? Like, I had no idea. Like, it took me a minute. I was like, oh, so he, I didn't know if he was like <clears throat> an interior designer. Right, or, right. Like, and you're right. Absolutely right. Because they never tell you. They're just like, <laughs> Yeah. Like you get the hey, you get the Vegas project or whatever. And he goes to Vegas. Yeah. He gets set up in a house, which I didn't know. I, I mean, I guess that makes sense. And apparently, like the company rented him a house, I guess. He um, said a hotel is it's too many distractions. So Okay, all right, fair enough. So I missed that part. So he's living in a house, and you're right. It never says like what does he do? Does he draw the plans? It was infuriating to me just because the concept of nightclubs, and again, this is me just being old and being maybe grouchy or whatever, but like <laughs> The concept of nightclubs now is so just <laughs> egregious and offensive <laughs> and just ridiculous that like how how does that even exist as a job in this world? Do we really need that job? <laughs> Do we really need people to make more nightclubs is what I'm saying. Um, <clears throat> uh, in, in the post-COVID world, no, no more nightclubs. Let's just stop it. I think, you know what? I think you're absolutely right. I think COVID bookended nightclubs. I think we're done. I think we're good. I think we've got enough. <laughs> and I don't think and, and and to be fair, Matthew Perry was in that window. 1997, long before COVID. So he hit his stride right when it was apropos. But watching this movie now, like, man, I cannot think of a conversation I would walk away faster from than one with a guy who designs nightclubs. Well, in the in the movie, he's a man of many hats. Um, he's picking the, the signage, he's selecting the glassware. He's right, and <laughs> right, and he's dealing with the permits yeah. and all this yeah. shit. And nobody does that. That's not a job. <laughs> I don't know. I'm way too amped up about this. Rudy, tell it me seemed, more. No, Spro, go you ahead. You guys seem like two, like two married guys that, like, yeah, there needs to be nightclubs. People need to meet. They need to go out. They need to have fun. I took Matthew Perry as being a project manager. I have no idea how buildings are created. So yeah, I was fine with it. I hate your logical brain sometimes. <laughs> I really do. I really do. There's got to be somebody that like signs all the paperwork. <laughs> no, right? you're absolutely right. That's probably what he was. Although I would argue that a project manager does not pick out the glassware, has nothing to do with designing a shitty, shitty logo for a stupid oh, yeah. club <laughs> called Boulevard. I will, say, I will say the box was a pretty, or whatever that was that landed on the dude's the, car. The o I was going to say the only reason he picked that logo was to set up that sight gag so that the thing could fall on the surveyor's car or whatever. <laughs> The initial interaction between Matthew Perry and Salma Hayek happens at like he was was he working at like a Mexican restaurant or or what? 
He was having dinner. He was, <laughs> he was having dinner. Okay. I told you did I was you a little hazy. Watch this movie? <laughs> I absolutely did. So I was a little hazy. So he was having dinner at a Mexican restaurant. He goes up to use the bathroom. There's a line and she like tries to cut in front of him. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Everybody, she tries because he's next to go in the bathroom and she is on the phone, on the pay phone, uh, talking, saying that she needs a sign in order to marry Chewy. Oh, and right. So she's looking for a sign. And then Matthew Perry is second in line for the bathroom. Right. And so she cuts in front of him and then she goes and takes a piss, comes back out. And number one, they didn't show the uh, sexual Congress between Matthew Perry and Salma Hayek. But they also I feel like every other movie would have done some like montage of them like gallivanting around the town and then woken up in bed next to each other kind of like oh what did we do they just skipped right from the line in the bathroom to the waking up in bed next to each other and this is why the movie is like a, a nice pg-13 introduction to selma hayek because i mean we're all familiar with her work in desperado and from mm-hmm. dust till dawn and they mm-hmm. did this nice little pg-13 transition where they share a look right before she goes to the bathroom and then the next shot is like her car like all like parked crazy in the driveway and then a knocked over lamp and you get the idea i thought that was really wholesome you're right that's a good point because i and you know what i honestly didn't realize until you said it at the beginning that desperado and from dust till dawn were before this movie because you're right she was like full-on jugs on display in desperado yeah. basically the same thing in from dust till dawn mm-hmm. as uh what was her name santa Pandemonium, Satanico Pandemonium. (laughs) Is that a thing? Something like that. Um, (laughs) But you're right. She was very like that was a a female movie star that my mom would not have wanted me to watch based on those two movies. Mm -hmm. But you're right. This movie almost makes her more accessible i guess she's much more like i mean obviously she had well no in desperado she was pretty much a main character more or less in dust till dawn she was kind of like a centerpiece Mm -hmm. or an accessory or something like that but in this she's obviously a main character but she's she is a character she's got a backstory she's got a family she's got you know hopes dreams Mm -hmm. and she's accessible she's attainable she's like you know she's familiar and that's a good point i didn't think about that but that's that's a really good point that they make it so that um, the viewer concentrates more on the relationship as a like a construct as opposed to the you know physicality of it. well it's all fate and circumstance and chance because what is what does Matthew Perry say in the line where it's like the it's the sign that she's looking for she was on the phone with Laney <laughs> And she was rehearsing her breaking up with Chewie and said that she had a sign and the sign was that her necklace that he gave her broke. And that was the sign that they weren't meant to be together. And then Matthew Perry was like, no, that's all. He's like, that's all BS. He's like, if I walk in front of a bus, it's because I wasn't looking, not because of divine intervention or something. Right. That's right. So uh, all that on the phone, that uh, waiting for a sign stuff, is that a religious thing or a cultural thing? Do you always listen to other people's conversations? Would you like to go back to the end of the line? Why do you want to know? Uh, it just sounded a little deep for... <laughs> it just sounded a little deep for a Friday night. I was just curious. Religion is a very important part of our culture, at least in my family. And I believe that your destiny has already been decided. You just have to read the signs. Mm-hmm. You don't believe that? No. 
No. I think if a guy gets hit by a bus, it's because he wasn't looking, not because of some master plan. So you don't think that it was fate that you were standing in this line when I got off the phone? Fate? No. No, I think it was more of a bladder thing. Mm, that's too bad. Because, you see, I happen to think there's an explanation beyond reason, beyond all logic, that brought you right to this very spot at the exact same time that I showed up at this very spot. You do? Absolutely. And why would fate go to all that trouble? So that I wouldn't have to wait in line. I thought that was a good back and forth. Like, so at the end of the movie, he obviously becomes like he's the one to abandon everything and kind of chase after her and sort of admit, like, I get it now. There are signs and blah, blah, blah. But the cynicism that he displays in that scene versus her idealism, I thought that kind of tete a tete was like, that was good. That was, you know, that that set things up really well for what would become their kind of tumultuous relationship. Yeah. See, what I like, what I like about the film is is yeah it is formulaic and it kind of all it checks all the right boxes but in the same instance there's not a whole lot that these people i can't think of another like romantic comedy where they like make a mistake and they're not necessarily right for each other but they grow into something where you're like yeah they should just kind of give up everything like she was willing to give up living close to her family to go to new york city and he was willing to give up new york city to go you know live in her area See, that know. that was interesting because it wasn't black and white. It wasn't all or nothing. She said, if we can have the baby here near my family, I'll give New York City a try. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't either you move to Las Vegas or we're done or on the opposite side, you move to New York City and we're done. And that was actually like like that's not too far off from, you know, how my wife and I ended up where we are now. We both lived in very, very different parts of, you know, uh, the two very different parts of Cleveland. <laughs> no, no not, not exactly. But two different parts. I mean, certainly. Certainly not New York versus Las Vegas, but, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, I feel like you said, Spro, it could have been very formulaic. It could have been like that was the that could have been the crux of the whole movie. That could have been the linchpin, like either he moves or she moves. But it wasn't. It was like a, a bullet point on their their list of, you know, hurdles that they faced as a couple. And I thought that was, you know, if not, I wouldn't call it genius, but at least it was refreshing. Yeah. You know, and like it's a very good, I think, character stuff because they don't necessarily change for each other. They kind of just make their pieces work because obviously they don't. There are lines in this movie where you kind of cringe because they don't pull back to make it PG-13 and romantic comedy and everything is nice and glorious. Like the fact that his parents come in and are immediately prejudiced, like (laughs) just it's a different dynamic, I think, because, you know, he goes and meets her family and you're like, oh, the fish out of water like that's the formula and then his family comes over and it's like what it's the stakes 
stakes are upped one more notch considering the fact that they are miserable people. And you're kind of like, yeah, I hope Matthew Perry wins over her family. I hope these people never come back. <laughs> you know, See, so it's not like maybe someone will win over theirs. It's like, no, no, no. Matthew Perry is going to have to stick up to his mom and dad and, and get out of the waspy um, upbringing that he had. But at the same time, I thought it was really interesting and uh, unique how they set up the parallels between the families. So like his father and her father were both opposed Mm -hmm. while his mother and her mother were both for based on basically the concept of love and you know the romanticism of love and all that stuff they were romantics and it was interesting to see like obviously on the they were on a boat i think when this whole scene took place but like Mm -hmm. on the left side of the boat you're right this total waspy like they come into the scene the heels the douchebags and on the other side of the boat it's her family and they're opposed physically in that scene. They're facing each other and they're opposed. They're opposed ethnically, more or less. Um, <laughs> but they also show these remarkable similarities, specifically her father and his father, and then the two mothers. Uh, senor, I would like to tell you something. I do not believe these kids have a clue what they are getting themselves into. I couldn't agree with you more. Really? Absolutely. Marriage is a serious commitment. Well, I happen to think that it's terribly romantic. Nan, hun, see, you're not helping. I have to agree with her, Richard. You men forget how foolish you once were chasing after us. This is different. They are different. They come from a different culture, a different world. It's hard enough to make a marriage work without adding to it. Listen to the man, Alex. He has a point. I think they're going to start spelling the big words soon. Why can't you just be happy for us? Because I'm afraid for you. This whole thing never would have happened if he hadn't gone after No, 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 wait. Just, just, just wait just a second, Tomas. It takes two to tangle. She is just as guilty as he is. Now, let's just calm down, shall we? They fell in love. And love is a beautiful thing. What I was trying to remember while you were talking, Spro, and then it hit me was like, how did his parents find out about them to begin with and come visit? And then it, and then I remembered there's that just random white girl who <laughs> who called, and I can't even remember her name. Petty, but she was Catherine just Stewart. She's petty. <laughs> Petty Catherine Stewart, who just called and like ratted him out without doing so, like under the table, ratted him out. And then his parents show up and then she shows up again in the movie like she's her character to me was just like, man, like there is nothing redeemable about this person. She's in the movie for all of three or four scenes. Mm -hmm. Like, but (laughs) what is the point of this terrible girl? So the point is she's country club. She's like all every member of the country club just funneled into one. And let's be honest. I mean, I love this movie and some of what I'm going to say might sound like I'm shitting on it. I love this movie. Like she also represents this. This is a study for every random dad bod white dude that you can be a sex symbol to very attractive women. Like because Catherine Stewart, while she is petty, she's very good looking. And even um the lady from Sabrina, the teenage witch that starts hitting on Matthew Perry there right before Selma Hayek drops by his house and says, I'm pregnant. That was her, wasn't it? Oh my God. 
Yes, like, you're right. Everybody wants Matthew Perry in this for some reason. And so uh, Catherine Stewart was just the opposite representation. She was the exact opposite of Selma Hayek, but still uh, uh, gorgeous. She's also the trope of like, I put my work in. Like I was, I I grew up with Matthew Perry actually well, at right. first dibs when he's single and like in town. And Selma Hayek is the one I was like, I met him in the line of a bathroom. Because that was the thing, right? She was like a legacy. She was like the legacy pick or whatever. Like she, they, mm-hmm. grew, they grew up together in the yacht club and all that stuff so it was like uh it was almost like uh selma hayek's character and chewy it was kind of a similar dynamic yeah exactly the romantic comedy love story type of thing would be like it'd be like sweet home alabama which i think andy Tennant also directed oh. where it's like do i choose this person or that person? Uh, oh, yes I love um it. So this one is not necessarily, it's more like, do I choose to be with this person or do I choose to live the life how I thought it was going to be before I randomly hooked up with this person? Like it's a choice between your your future with or without the person that you made this monumental decision with your past, which is just sex. It was did just you, one night of pure pleasure. Did you, oh, just sex. Listen to the Catholic Church condemning Oh right my now. goodness. Did you either, did either of you, um, like feel bad for Chewie. Like I didn't, I don't feel like Chewie was a bad guy. Like I feel like he was so, they didn't explain him enough um, to like make an opinion of him. He was just kind of there. He's a handsome chap and he's got a good job. I'm pretty sure Chewie will be fine. Yeah. I I ain't worried about Chewie. I ain't worried about Catherine Stewart either. I mean, come on. I mean, they'll be fine. I'm Catherine sure is going to marry an alcoholic. <laughs> I, I'm sure she's she's going to be the trophy wife to some other really really studly nightclub designer in New York. Yeah, probably his friend Jeff or whoever. That guy seems to get oh, around. That fucking cliche. Oh my gosh! Like, like I, every time he talked, I was like, what, "What? Really? She's not just a body. The one with the body? Like <laughs> this dude was just the most cliche character. And he, I mean, he played it well because I was like, oh, he's so smart." Me, but he almost made my <laughs> he almost made my song parody in the beginning i forget it was like what did i say I, I wrote it down i crossed it out it said um oh you can find a building clubs he's got a friend who's a douche that was it um <laughs> and her friend too see that's the other thing the more i'm thinking about it the more there are very obvious parallels on each side of the story so his parents her parents chewy peggy carter what's her name <laughs> Catherine stewart yeah i was close <laughs> you've got her photography aspirations and his career Mm -hmm. and then you've got her his friend what was his name jeff that checks out (laughs) jeff Jeff. douche and uh laney her friend laney but laney was kind of an integral part of the story was she not i mean she she sort of was nudging the two of them together behind the scenes i feel like do you ever see laney's house you ever see laney's house <laughs> you, you, you do, you do in Men in Black when a UFO crashes into <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> you do when she when she offers up some sugar water. Your skin's hanging off of you. <laughs> she says your skin is hanging off your bones. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good, Edgar. Your skin is hanging off your bones. Edgar, your skin is hanging off your bones. But go on, Rudy. You were going to say something insightful. Uh, <laughs> um, you start to see the because, par- you know, it's very formulaic in that it's opposites attract, you know, New York, Las Vegas, uh, the cultural element of, uh, you know, the, the the Latin culture and the Caucasian country club culture. I guess that's a culture. And then like you have like you but you 
there are all these parallels, which is what you're talking about. Their friends, their parents, their passions, stuff like that. I feel like like I almost and I wonder if this is a work of genius because it didn't hit me over the head like that until we're talking about it now. Like as I was watching it, those things didn't hit me over the head. And I feel like in any other rom-com, they probably would have like, oh, there's her friends. They're doing X, Y and Z. Oh, there's his friends. They're doing A, B and C. And it's like very obvious. But this one was a little more subtle. I mean, yeah, this they subtly, well, not so subtle, but they tackle like interracial relationships. They tackle uh, a woman's right to choose. So, uh, how you been? Pregnant. Really? Pregnant? Well, that's great. Terrific. Congratulations. Thank you. It's yours. mine we were only together one night that's all it took and I, I i used a condom lots of them well one didn't work but that's its job its job is to work its entire reason for being is to work look i thought about this a lot and there's really only one thing for me to do here. Oh, thank God. I mean, I understand. And I respect your decision. You do? Yes, I have always believed in a woman's right to choose. That's good, because I choose to keep this baby. Oh. They they tack I mean they tackle some pretty heavy stuff and and some of it's pretty subtle. I really I mean it, that's why I think I really enjoy this because like as formulaic as it is, I have been in Matthew Perry's position where I go to a family cookout of the person that I was seeing at the time and everyone stops and looks at you. If there was music, they would have stopped. But it's I've been there. I've been and culturally I've been there where people are speaking Spanish in front of me and I have no idea what they're saying and I just have to smile and go along with it. So, like, this movie re- definitely, like, speaks to me. Well, and, like, the whole thing of getting the, you know, you you get the list of, like, all right, so there's this aunt and there's this person and avoid this topic, and, and she's giving him all the cliff notes on the way into the dinner, and he he screws up the wrong aunt, and he's shouting at the aunt that he thinks is deaf, and it's not the deaf <laughs> aunt. Like, that's so good. That's good. That's classic. That's, yeah. Classic Matt Perry. <laughs> I like this movie. It wasn't no, you're you're right. It wasn't bad. I came away from it like when it when it was over, I was so just kind of perplexed by the whole thing. Perplexed by his job, perplexed by the fact that Selma Hayek who was if I'm timelining this right because he got the New York job on July 1st, I think the club opened. I think he said somewhere in the movie that his parents were going to Europe at the beginning of the summer, but then she said it's April. So, by my calculations, she was about four almost five months pregnant when she pretended to have a miscarriage that he believed well no and i no go on okay please tell me i'm wrong because okay. this, is a, this is a plot hole no in the movie that i did I this have i did the same thing with you i did the same thing you did because you know they start the movie it's in december that a christmas party he right. he tries yes. to get into the car at las vegas and he goes it's january and right and that's after 
Oh no, and, and then January, and then they meet and hook up, and then right. three months pass because that says it says three months later. So that's January, February, March. They meet in March again, right? And then she's pregnant, and then her parents come over for Cinco de Mayo. So that's April, May. Oh, okay. And then the club opens in July, so June, July, and he says in that meeting the baby's due in October, and he goes back to live in New York. And I guess that's October. I guess I mean I think it checks out as far so as like the pregnancy. My, my question, my question is: she reveals to him in the hospital bed that the baby's gone. At that point, at that point, it would have been about five or six months. Yeah, I think. yeah six months. Is a woman not showing around five or six months? Did, like, my, one of, how did she pull that off? One of my like, notes. How did she f- is where's the baby bump? How did she find a doctor? And she was like, maybe she slipped the doctor twenty. Like, hey, let me borrow this bed. Gotta pretend to have lost this baby because I'm in a weird <laughs> well, <laughs> relationship thing with Matt Perry, and I gotta get him to go back to New York. So let me just let me just go in here, do some acting. I'll come right back out. You can give the room to an actual. I, um, pregnant wait, lady, no, wait, but I'm also no. actually pregnant. But I need no. to pretend not to be. Okay, wait. Do you get what I'm saying? And not. if you could bring me some, if you could bring me some extra blankets to hide the baby bump that he's gonna see. But I'll roll over on my side so he doesn't see it. But there's a chance he might see it because he might want to come in and kiss me and comfort me. But I'll contort my body in a way that that's not possible. Could we make that happen? Like that I, to me was kind of a big like. Hmm, I think is Matthew. Maybe maybe you don't need to be that smart to be a nightclub designer. Maybe I think, maybe you, that. That's what the point was. <laughs> you might be overthinking it a lot. So <laughs> I can suspend so, disbelief so, at this point so, because it was an enjoyable movie. Well, they, but, they set up what they set up that she is like she's having like Braxton Hicks, which are contractions that they're like it's false contractions makes you feel like false labor. A lot of uh, uh, mothers, uh, new mothers, end up going to the hospital thinking they're in labor when it's just, uh, it's called a Braxton Hicks. They set up at the nightclub that she gets super stressed. And, you know, if women experience high levels of stress during those first few months of pregnancy, it's going to like start to mimic labor. And the only reason I know this is because I am currently the father of two beautiful children. And my wife is amazing for bringing them into this world. But I think the only thing that I was like, oh, she didn't have to pay off the doctor she definitely like had to go to the hospital just to get monitored but then i'm like you you would still be able to see i guess they they established that dynamic by not letting him get into the room fully and then well they don't that you're right they don't he he gets into the room and he comes over to like kiss her like on the cheek or on the ear or like like offer comfort and she kind of shoes him away yeah she yells at him. right she yells at him she shoes him away she says get out get out but still i mean I mean, like, well, I, would, I, I, I don't know. But I was asking. Although, 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 I guess, I guess, I shouldn't presume to be a an obstetrician or anything. <laughs> like the he he knew that there was a bump existing before that, and well, you know, yeah. perhaps the perhaps the the presence of a bump doesn't necessarily indicate, you know, the the. <laughs> That to me was like, wait a minute, she's just going to pull this one over his eyes, like pull the wool over his eyes, send him back to New York. Well, and and also that's kind of a really shitty thing to do. Well, she was reactive. Like, then that's the thing. Like, so when I was younger and I watched this movie and, and, and before I recently watched it, I was supportive of Alex. And then at a certain point, I'm like, nah, forget him, dump him, forget he's done. Like when he like yelled at her, okay, I have a visceral reaction to Selma Hayek. I love her very much um and when did when he yell at her he yelled at her at the nightclub he's like if i you know i didn't put a five dollar five dollar ring oh, on right, 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 like right, right, you right, don't right, yell right. at pregnant beautiful selma hayek and get away with it 
There was nothing I could do. The job starts July 1st. Tell them to wait. I can't do that. Can't or won't. I've worked too long, too hard to, to just... To what? To share your life with someone who loves you, who cares for you? Alex, you have to be there every day. What do you think I've been killing myself for? Oh, come on. You knew about this for a month, but you don't include me. Why are you afraid of me? Why do you alienate me from your life? I don't... I don't know. <sighs> Look, I told you in the beginning. I have no problem raising this child on my own. I thought we were a family. You don't understand the concept of a family. To you, it's something you put up with on national holidays. Love, it's a gift, Alex. Not an obligation. Look, this is the brass ring. I've worked my entire life for an opportunity like this, and I am not giving it up because one night I put a $5 ring on your finger in front of Elvis as a witness. bump that i was with her i was like yeah go on girl you don't need him that's i mean mm -hmm. the the whole her whole motivation was it was weird because it wasn't a i just want you to be happy thing it wasn't a, a standard rom-com thing it wasn't like we're better off apart it was just this weird kind of messy interaction between the two of them that felt pretty real it felt legit he was he was an absentee father at that point he was so focused on starting the nightclub and getting the nightclub going and picking out the glassware that he wasn't there to pick out the crib for the baby so she was trying That's to be right. supportive of him and then he, all he cares about is getting back to new york which he did not tell her about he didn't tell his parents right he didn't tell her about new york she she, she has i mean she's obviously acting out of emotion by saying i've lost the baby get away from me but you know she thinks she's doing the right thing in the end she doesn't want to be left alone so she wants to be the person to do the leaving that's that's totally fair. She wants to kind of I mean, I get that she's like she feels abandoned and rightly so because he abandoned her. And so she felt like if he was going to neglect her, he was possibly going to neglect the baby. And the best thing for her to do was be able to sort of control the narrative and just get him out of there, yeah. which that's not your standard rom-com fare. I don't remember that in um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Ways, 10 Days, whatever. <laughs> win a date with Tad Hamilton. Win a date with Tad <laughs> Hamilton. Wow. That was so much, I wish I would have said that. That's such a better reference. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and this is why I like this rom-com because it, 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 it gets to a part where you have two people and there's so much uh, that, you know, the, the montage, if you will, that shows them, you know, building a life, building a home together. The one thing that cracked me up is, the, where she was like gonna pee in front of him while he was <laughs> brushing his teeth and he that was part of my song that was part of my song he walked out of i was i was like hell yeah get the fuck get out of there what are you she's a heathen and and then she pulls him back in just so she can talk to him while she pees yeah i'm, not, I'm good that was that made me laugh because that's kind of like that's something that couples go through now as you move in with your significant other. Hey, listener out there, if you're getting ready to move in uh, with your significant other, find out if they pee with the door open. That's something you'd want to know. So, I mean, I thought that was genuine and unique and sincere, and I really enjoyed it. 
That's a good point. I mean, that's like that's a much deeper cut than like, oh, he likes to watch football on Sundays. <laughs> um, and that's that's inconvenient for me. Like that's <laughs> that's or, you know, vice versa, whatever. That's a much deeper cut. That's a much that's like a much bigger risk to take telling that story than, you know, some of the standard rom-com yeah. um, convention. Yeah, no, the whole thing is about fools rushing in, right? They, oh, they oh. fast forward the relationship. They move in. They're pretty much straight. Rangers, they're meeting each other's parents, but they're also like, what's your last or what's your last name? You know, like it's structurally exactly how you think it would go. It's not it's original. I feel I like. So the only thing that really want to point out past the plot is the writer, Catherine Rebecca. She did the production draft for Flashdance for anybody that liked that 80s film. But she was also, in addition to screenwriting, um, she contributed to Bill Clinton's speechwriting team during his 1992 presidential campaign. Interesting. So it's not like the writer was, you know, some flash in the pan wandering Hollywood streets trying to sell their wares. It's like she was a graduate of Columbia University. So I I was first listening because, you know, Rudy has a whole lot of life experience with having kids and I could not contribute to that conversation whatsoever. I do know a woman who had a kid and didn't know she was pregnant. So that was the only thing I was going to contribute there. Like maybe it is possible at six months not to know what the fuck is going on but yeah i would also think Catherine rebecca might have some opinions too but she sadly had passed away at the age of 59 of cancer oh, r.i.p oh man that's Jeez. a downer she only, this was her only film that she wrote she wrote like a tv show she wrote something else and then she wrote fools rush in well let, let i mean the writing so i just want to take a second to talk about some writing here i'm just gonna throw some lines at you and if they hit you uh, let you know that's so be it presbyterian is not a religion um Culture? You call this culture? <laughs> Guacamole and a ghetto blaster in the middle of the desert? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. I cringed when, when he said that. And again, that's 2021 MC cringing at... It's, it's strange <laughs> to think that that was 20, like 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Like, But you're right. That's that's such a like that's such a fucked up line. But I think the the thing that is, they get their comeuppance. Like, the dad. Oh, yeah. The dad. Yeah, they get skin cancer. It's <laughs> as, great. As he's like, he tries to warn them. He goes, "You, I hope you got plenty of lotion because the sun just rick, uh, mirrors off the water. And they're like, as long as uh-huh. we're Mom is sloshed. And then you cut to the scene and they're all beat red and they can't move. Yeah. Hilarious. Fuck that, white people. You get melanoma for, for that. <laughs> That was hilarious. I mean, and the I love how the more I'm thinking about it, his last name was Whitman, right? Uh-huh. One letter away from white man. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. I mean, it's not it's not wrong. <laughs> it's really interesting because I don't believe as I'm looking, Joan Taylor or Kathy Rybeck doesn't appear to be Latin, but she captures a lot of like the, just the dialogue for me between uh, Selma Hayek's mom and dad or Selma Hayek's brother or the whole family thing, that whole that whole dinner thing. It was very natural and it felt it didn't feel forced. You can sometimes in these end up with like a caricature, especially when you're dealing with a different culture, like it can become like a parody of itself. And I didn't feel like that at all. And, and it made me like, <laughs> I mean, when Matthew Perry 
they go rattlesnake hunting or they go shooting. The Lucy, you've got some explaining to do. Obviously, that's like, you know, Desi and Lucy. But for some, <laughs> it just hit a little different for me. And it's something that I still quote, you know, with the slurred Lucy, you got some explaining to do. It, it's just hilarious. I, 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 love, I really like the writing. But I do want to point out, I think you said something about Matthew Perry and not being a leading man. The Whole Nine Yards is another really good film that he leads in. I would argue that's Bruce Willis's movie. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Matthew Perry, if you're listening, I have nothing against you. I feel like 1997 leading men that I recall, perhaps like Nicolas Cage, Connor. You know what? 1997 was a really, really testosterone heavy year at the movies. Mm-hmm. Was it not? Conair, Face Off, Men in Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so seeing Matthew Perry painted as this like ladies man, you know, goes home with a different girl every night, just and 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 this is all clearly on the heels of Friends, his success on on Friends. Um to me it was just here's Chandler in a movie with Sam Selma Hayek. I guess I didn't get that feeling that he went home with another woman every night cuz he's walking around with a big fish at the very beginning. It says it at the beginning like, of the trailer like Matthew or no what's his name alex his name was whitman. matthew matthew perry in the movie <laughs> alex whitman alex white man is <laughs> the one thing he's great at is being single <laughs> it's like i feel like i'm really good at being single that doesn't mean that i'm sleeping with, with a new woman every but night maybe i mean you're I, comfortable i guess when movie trailer voice guy says it i i get something different well here's the here's the it's, here's the connection between you and Math, matthew perry or single alex whitman ladies are throwing themselves at you like that's what is set up in this movie and then you know spro we know the women are flocking to you so like you have multiple options like he's set up as like this ll cool j like ladies love alex whitman like <laughs> and like oh my god and he's LA dumb. He, he's the most neurotic like he he thinks she's gonna jump jump off the hoover dam like he's like the most neurotic dude and and oh man that i think i always like just kind of like pictured him as like you know the person you could relate to i don't know so when he does like the line of like when she's like i'm pregnant and he's like but we used a condom we used condoms yeah. a lot of them <laughs> like and to me i was always like oh you dog yeah. you yeah you had a nice night you know no. Like you lucky guy. You know, maybe maybe his maybe I'm viewing him as a reflection of his douche friend Jeff because yeah, that- Jeff is the one who sort of like brags on his conquests. You know, like it's like I never knew. I keep wanting to call him Matthew Perry. <laughs> I never knew. I never knew Alex Whitman to turn down box seats at a Yankees game with hot chicks and whatever, whatever. Yeah. So maybe it's like maybe maybe he's got this. You know what? Maybe I'm giving him an unfair shake. Well, maybe yeah. he's got. This yeah, repu- he never- maybe he's got this reputation that's completely unfounded and he's he's desperate to shake it. Well, I mean, because he's never like chuckling with Jeff. He's never like <laughs> nudging. I don't know why the fuck he hangs out with Jeff. He seems annoyed <laughs> as hell with Jeff. He well, seems just absolutely well, disgusted he, by Jeff half the time. He has these endearing moments and that's why you root for him. Like in the beginning, like Jeff is like the two women that you we see Jeff with. They're helping him get over his divorce. And, or, and then and then Alex Whitman is like Jeff don't sleep with this woman Jeff don't sleep with this woman and and, and he doesn't want to be left alone 
with the woman that's trying to get with him when Selma Hayek shows up. And then, you know, he's like, I've always, you know, he has those moments where he's like, I've always respected a woman's right to choose. Like he's, he's not schmarmy, but Jeff is enough of a douche for both of them. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. I suppose it's the company you keep that sort of reflects on you. Spro, do you have any reviews? The reviews are all like kind of dead links. I will say the number one review, the highest review on Metacritic was our boy Roger Ebert who said it was a sweet, entertaining retread of an ancient formula in which opposites attract despite all the forces arrayed to push them apart. But you can't read the full review because it's a broken link. <laughs> so here's the lower end because everything has its like little pitch points. And that's uh, the Dallas Observer, Andy Klein said, this really should have gone straight to video or better yet to the nearest landfill. Which is, these people say like this is not creative and yet their reviews are not creative. Andy Klein can so kiss the Washington Post said <laughs> the Washington Oh, so there's two Washington Post. The other Washington Post was Rita Kempley, who just said movies don't come much lamer than fools rush in. That's all she said. So I don't know why they like I feel like they're all wasps and they took offense. <laughs> and how they were portrayed. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And, and that's the beauty of this podcast and what you guys have created here. It is way more than it seems to be. Like it, you're like it's a formulaic rom com about opposite attract. But when you dig a little deeper, when you watch it again, when you give it a second chance, like you get to see all these things that make this movie really good. Thank you, Rudy. I will say two things. One, well, two lines that I really love in this movie and. And Rudy talked about writing and I wanted to throw this in, but Alex Whitman, I think like the most famous line from this movie is you are everything I never knew I always wanted, which is just a great wiggle of a phrase. And then when the great grandma says, you will never know love unless you surrender to it. Mm. Like, yeah, down. (laughs) The second thing that I want to say, and it's ironic that Rudy is on this episode when I was bringing it up and I will just do this live-ish, I guess, in quotes. In Waterworld, I brought up the fact that I don't like to read reviews. I don't like how it sounds. And so I was going to employ you for season three to be the episodic (laughs) review reader with your dramatic Yes, yes. You you had me at hello. I'm in. I don't care. You're hired. Our pay is always time zero. Yes. So and I I and that's like not to like you know piggyback too much on what you're talking about when the writing and the and the interpretation like like I I would quote um so we had a pandemic baby uh so um my my lovely daughter will turn uh one year old in about two weeks and so. During the pandemic, you know, you, 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 you're home all the time and you're quarantining with your wife. And so you got to, you know, you, you, you get stupid jokes. And one of the lines that I would say would be, what the hell is going on with your stomach? Like I would talk to because for those of you who don't know, sometimes the baby, you can it'll push its little elbow into the side of the, the woman's stomach. And then there's like just a bump on the side of the stomach. And so like the uh, like the frighteners post. Yeah, exactly. Like no joke. Exactly like that. And so like that's when so the my uh, Michelle's belly would get lopsided and I'd be like, what the hell is going on with your stomach? It's, it's just quotable. A lot of this is I mean, this whole movie, I could quote this whole movie. I love it. I think that like watching it and puzzling over it until we got on to do this show tonight was an enjoyable experience. It's it's a solid date night movie that still holds up because Granted, there's there's like a scene with a 
pay phone and an airline phone <laughs> on a plane, but <laughs> they still have those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, pay you phones are all over LA. You can't use your cell phone on a plane, right? Well, I've never seen like a phone with a cord. I'm, I mean, I don't fly in the same class that you guys fly in, but uh, <laughs> I, and I haven't seen a pay phone in Columbus, Ohio in about 10 years. So you got to go to where people are still using calling cards. Oh, good point. V- valid point. But I-, I think this movie is a solid date night movie. It's a good recommendation from our most romantic co-host, Rudy. <laughs> Absolutely, without question. <laughs> Final thoughts. Uh, I- I'm just going to say, I think, so again, the nuances of this movie are sublime. I think that the the parallels between her family and his family are not like brick to forehead, hit you over the head, obvious. And I think that that ultimately, this isn't a movie like Inception or Tenet where you're going to like try to figure it out after you leave, well, not the theater, but after you, after you, you know, are done watching watching it it's not a super thought provoking movie but the mechanisms by which those types of devices are employed in the movie is effective it works <laughs> yeah. and it it makes it makes the movie balanced and more enjoyable and i think in a movie about opposites attracting and what could potentially be a entirely cliche 90 some minutes that's a welcome change. I agree. Apparently based on a real story. Really? <laughs> what? No way. <laughs> All right. Let me just read this real quick review. This is one of those movies that I can't help but love. It certainly isn't the best movie ever, but Perry and Hayek both turn in wonderful performances. You can't help but like both of them. You care for the characters. And that is something that is becoming more and more rare in today's movies. The supporting cast does a great job as well, especially Perry's real father and Jill Clayburg as his parents. It probably is the first time Hayek shows that she is a star and can carry a movie or at least half of it on her back. Perry brings a great sense of a comedy to the movie. Some of his scenes and lines are laugh out loud funny. On top of that, the story is just quirky enough, parentheticals based on a real life romance and parentheticals that the entire situation makes you chuckle. Aww. Quirky is a good word. Yeah. And you know, it's it's funny. It <clears throat> Stay with me on this one. It, <laughs> when you watch it, it gives you hope. And because it gives you hope that someone like Matthew Perry <laughs> can end up with someone yeah. like Selma Hayek, because like that's kind of my life. My wife is smoking hot. She is Selma Hayek in this film because she, when I met her, she, she's, I mean, my wife is an amazing photographer and she's super artistic and she's got all this passion and she's fiery. And I kind of was like, and oh. you're, you're one of the greatest nightclub designers I've yeah, ever met. Yeah. Rudy. yeah. And, and I'm a little neurotic. So uh, I, you know, I got super, I'm, I'm Matthew Perry in this and my wife is Selma Hayek. So it definitely fills you with hope that it's possible. Love is possible. That's I a, agree. You just got to surrender to it. <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful way to end the show with a quote from Matteo Perry and his great grandmother <laughs> or her great grandmother. <laughs> like we always end every show. Check out the movie. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you very much for enjoying, hopefully, this episode of Second Chance Cinema. As always, I'm MC. We want to thank Rudy for joining us tonight. Rudy, any parting words for our listener? You know what? um, If you're new to this podcast, you're in for a treat and you're welcome. And if (laughs) if you're a veteran of this podcast, I'm just excited to be invited back. Thank you. (laughs) 
<laughs> Spro, how about you? Any closing words? I just think, so this is our last movie revival of the second season. And we started the second season with Rudy and the Wizard. So it's like a nice full circle. Oh, yeah. We have come full circle. Uh, we started the show sort of, I guess not full circle, more like a 180. We started the show kind of bashing on Matthew Perry, but now we've come to celebrate him. <laughs> At least his character in this movie showing us that love is indeed possible. And for that, we, we offer our sincerest thanks and our recommendation that you go ahead and revive Fool's Rush In um, as dictated by Second Chance Cinema. If you want to get at us with any sort of recommendations, any sort of comments or um, critiques of the show, we would love to hear from you. Listen after the show to figure out how you can get at us on social media via email. And this is our last regular season episode of season two. We've got a special two-parter coming up. Um, and we want to thank you as always for joining us and hope that you'll tune in next time for what's my favorite podcast currently. And um, I hope, you know, yours as well. Have a good evening from Second Chance Cinema. Peace out. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me. Like the fella once said, ain't that a kick in the head? Fool's Rush In was produced and distributed by Columbia Pictures. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is from the film's soundtrack, Ain't That a Kick in the Head, by Dean Martin. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you can reach us at 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MCNSpro or check us out on Instagram at 2ndchancecinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. Leave a review wherever you listen, and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to, as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. Isn't that really the whole point? Now go on, and have a beautiful day, you wonderful person, you. And remember, if Matthew Perry can score Selma Hyatt, well, there's a chance for us all. Enjoy your day. Like this sailor said, quote, ain't that a hole in a bowl? My head keeps spinning, I go to sleep and keep grinning. If this is just the beginning, my life is gonna be beautiful. She's telling me we'll be wet. She's picked out a king-sized bed. I couldn't feel any better or I'd be sick Tell me quick Oh, ain't love a kick Tell me quick Ain't love a kick